Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Fires raging in the Amazon have captured the world's attention and put focus on the policies of the Brazilian government. The true extent of the damage caused by these fires is not yet known, but most sources suggest that the scale of deforestation underway is much greater than that of previous years, and the reason for that is the permissive policies of the Jair Bolsonaro government. Bolsonaro is a right-wing firebrand who was elected to office in 2018 following major scandals implicating more left-wing parties. As my guest today, Rebecca Abers, explains, once in office, Bolsonaro quickly enacted policies that reversed years of progress against deforestation in the Amazon. Rebecca Abers is a professor of political science at the University of Brasilia in Brazil, and in this conversation, she describes the bureaucratic maneuvers engineered by Bolsonaro to undermine protections against deforestation. We also discuss how and why international pressure, including an upcoming major UN summit on climate change, is impacting domestic politics in Brazil and forcing Bolsonaro to make some key policy shifts. So these fires in the Amazon and more broadly deforestation in the Amazon is, of course, a key global issue. This area is a crucial carbon sink. But ultimately, Politically, this is a domestic issue for Brazil, and it's ultimately really only through policies in Brazil that this kind of deforestation can be combated. So my intention with this episode is to have a robust conversation about the politics and policies surrounding deforestation in the Amazon. Uh, just a quick note before we begin, as always, if you have suggestions of people you'd like me to interview or topics you'd like me to cover, please do send me an email. I love hearing from you. You can contact me using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com or hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg. And for those of you who are premium subscribers, the bonus episode I've posted this week is my conversation with Lee Hamilton, the former member of Congress and really one of the uber statesmen of the 20th century. Among other things, he was the co-chair of the 9-11 Commission. It was a good conversation. That episode is available to premium subscribers. You can become a premium subscriber by going to patreon.com slash global dispatches or following the links on globaldispatchespodcast.com. You'll unlock a host of bonus episodes and other rewards like access to my daily global news clips service. Do so. You'd be supporting the show and helping yourself. All right. Now, here is my conversation with Professor Rebecca Abers. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices 
to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. First of all, there is, you know, unclarity about sort of like how much the deforestation has gone up. And of course, at this moment, since there's been a shift on the, by the government in terms of how they're going to react to it, it might make a difference. And the year totals, which is what we really can be sure about, could be different. Because you can't really tell until the end of the year what the, the full deforestation is. Since right now, they don't really have the ability to tell because of the smoke of covering the forest and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit hard to even know. We won't even ever really know exactly what happened if there is indeed a, a, a reaction by the government and an increase in control of deforestation. But what you can say is that sometime around, around, around 2004 was a year that Brazil had a major increase in deforestation, 2003, 2004. Those were the first years of the Lula government. It was a left-wing government that came into office in 2003, and its first two years were years of increased deforestation and um, considerable national and international outcry because of that. And after that, after 2004, the Lula government instituted a number of very serious anti-deforestation policies which are at least partially credited with what is, was really a very extraordinary decline in deforestation between 2004 and around 2012. You have just, and basically in 2012, there were totals less than 5,000 square kilometers of um, area deforested, whereas in 2004, it was above 25,000. And, and so that's interesting. Quite, I mean, so, so it sort of demonstrates that, that government action does have a profound effect on the rate of deforestation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are debates about, you know, how much was government action and how much was economic changes. There's always lots of debates about this. But there was definitely very serious government action. There was a major program that was created, I believe, in 2004, which was um, to combat a sort of major plan for combating deforestation that included kind of two general focuses. One was increasing the number of protected areas in the Amazon. So the Amazon in Brazil has a huge percentage of the Amazon is already within um, legal protection areas of different kinds, including indigenous lands. Um, and a lot of those areas, and then there's a lot of areas that are just sort of, that are just sort of, um, public lands or unowned lands or have no official owner. And so one of the things that was done was the creation of a lot of new protection areas in areas that were under threat. So it kind of brought a state presence and an attention to these, you know, these areas with very low population levels. Um, and the other thing was an increase in a whole kind of de the development basically during that period of a system of using satellite imaging combined with enforcement on the ground which is a lot about where these data come from. It comes from the system that was created where the Space Research Agency gets satellite data and sends it to 
IBAMA, which is the um, the agency responsible for on the ground deforestation enforcement. That, you know, has sort of police type um, uh, uh, personnel that can go into places and stop and use police power to stop uh, uh, deforestation. And so they kind of developed a system which is attributed a lot of the um, the change is having the system of, of communication between information from the space agency and the um, not, you know, tremendously large uh, field personnel, because it's always been a problem with the, with IBAMA, this agency of not having enough field personnel, but having um, some kind of what we, I guess you call like focused atta- mm-hmm. uh, 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 mm-hmm. actions. There was another policy that was also contributed to this, which was a kind of what they called a municipal blacklist, that municipalities that had high levels of deforestation, it was harder for um, farmers to get credit in those, um, to get loans in those uh, municipalities. So there's a whole kind of mosaic of different policies. At the same time, Mark, there was also a... um, a kind of economic process in which at least people at the time were saying that, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't sure how much of this was the change in policies or just a changing perception of major um, agricultural, especially mm-hmm. um, actors who were less convinced that deforestation was rational economically. It had, it was, it was causing more repression and many um, major business people in the agro sector sector began to um, argue that mm-hmm. there was plenty of land that had already been deforested. It was made more sense to keep, uh, you know, to, to intensify uh, production in those areas. So there was also kind of a, it wasn't just, it wasn't just police force. It was sort of a, a, a general consensus that this would be good, which helps explain why it was such a radical change. Yeah, I mean, so, so it seems like it was a, a confluence of reasons that led to yeah. um, sort of better deforestation policies yeah. and just less deforestation, uh-huh. but but then enter Bolsonaro. And, and enter Bolsonaro. So exactly. how, how has his election and also economic changes in mm-hmm. Brazil contributed to what we're contributing to what we're seeing today? So there has been, um, um, as I said, sort of 2012, what seems to have been the lowest uh, year. And then there's sort of, it's hard to tell exactly when it started to increase very modestly compared to what we saw back in the early parts of the 2000s. You know, I mean, we're still talking about 8,000, 7,000 square kilometers compared to 20 something thousand as there was back then. Um, but there has been definitely, um, you know, kind of ups and downs in in the last few years. And so the question, of course, which we don't have a full answer, is how much has really um, been deforested in 2019? And one of the reasons why we don't know is because the high season for deforestation is just revving up now. Um, it's still in the in process. So it's it's a little bit too early to say this has happened. What we seem to know is that there, um, are, there are indicators of a, of a significant in, um, increase in the first half of the year that would suggest that the increase would be much higher in the second half of the year since we haven't, we're starting the, um, the burning season now as, this, as the dry season comes in. So what has happened? Well, basically, Brazil has gone through a huge political and economic upheaval. Um, the Workers' Party, which ran the country, that, um, that, that's the leftist party that um, started in 2003, 
the um, successor to Lula, who was the president from 2003 to 2010, was Juma Hussef, and she was impeached in 2016, replaced by her vice um, president. And it was sort of uh, uh, who, who began, initiated uh, a much more right-wing um, government, especially uh, attempting to introduce some major austerity policies in the economic sphere and a few other areas. But the government was fairly weak. It was not very popular, this interim government. And then in 2018, there were elections. And, um, and basically, to make a short story of something that was very long and complicated and hard to understand, um, Bolsonaro, an extreme right-wing candidate, won. And Bolsonaro uh, basically has uh, uh, – it, it's, it's a group in power, but his particular nucleus, which he has um, – uh, uh, of uh, right-wing thoughts expounds in a very extremist perspective, kind of centered around conspiracy theories of global domination. Uh, it, there's a global domination being uh, occurring by leftists and feminists, very strongly in, influenced by Trump in the United States uh, with uh, anti-leftism and climate denial is part of that. Mm -hmm. um, and a strong connection to uh, uh, to parts of the of the agricultural interests that are less accepting of this kind of more modern view of deforestation, mm -hmm. and um, basically there's been this kind of combination between this really right wing ideology and discourse that is kind of puts anti environmentalism together with a whole bunch of other things anti science anti leftism everything connected with left left-wing thoughts, human rights, women's rights, public universities, and environmentalism are all kind of associated in this discourse with uh, a kind of broad conspiracy to destroy society. So it's a very radical discourse, which um, got traction in Brazil uh, in, in, in the context of a huge corruption scandal involving the left. So the sort of idea mm -hmm. that the left is part of this destruction of society became a popular idea in Brazil last year. So he was elected on this discourse. And um, that was already pretty um, shocking in a sense for, for those of us who are observing the political process in Brazil. But once um, Bolsonaro arrived in office in, the, in January, he also began to propose very radical uh, actual actions and not yeah, just it's radical It's not like discourse. he moderated himself in, no, in office. No, he didn't moderate yeah. himself. And one of the areas, and there's basically sort of two areas that he's been most radical, which is the area of higher education, where the, he sort of had a campaign against, uh, especially against the social sciences, and uh, uh, but against public education in general. So there's a kind of connected to this attack on science and um, intellectualism in a sense. And the other one is uh, the environment. This is where the two most, the, the two ministers that he hired who were most radical were placed in the area of the environment. And so basically what happened um, in the environmental area was uh, within policymaking, basically paralysis. The first one, the first day that the government uh, took charge in January, it passed a decree reorganizing government. And one of the things that they did was take responsibility for deforestation away from the Ministry of Environment and also climate change. 
So there are all these workers, these employees who are responsible for, for deforestation in the Ministry of Environment who, you know, as far as I have heard, don't have anything to do right now. They're just sort of sitting around. Basically, the, the institution has stopped operating. And the minister who he hired is a person who is, um, he was once Secretary of Environment in Sao Paulo, was actually uh, uh, convicted for environmental fraud in December, just before taking office for things he did while he was there. He placed in the um, agency responsible for protected areas that takes care of protected areas, um, which is the Chico Menges Institute for Biodiversity. He placed as the president of that agency a, a, um, uh, a senior official from the Sao Paulo military police force, basically the, you know, the, the street police in Brazil is called the military police. It's not the same thing as the military. And so this uh, military police colonel put placed uh, at all the high offices within the part of the agency responsible for protected areas, placed other military police people. So uh, the employees of uh, the Chico Manges Institute sued because he didn't have any, um, uh, any qualifications for the job, but that has not been successful. And basically there was this environment within these different agencies under the Ministry of Environment of um, per persecution against uh, employees who challenged what was going on and kind of just paralysis. Which seems to have led to like time, a very sort of permissive environment for environmental degradation. It's a permissive environment. To make it worse, Bolsonaro in April, he uh, put on Twitter a complaint against uh, the other agency that's responsible for uh, preventing deforestation, Obama. Uh, he criticized a, a, an Obama mission that had stopped deforestation in the state of Rondonia as criminal. And he said, you know, the criminal, that this kind of crime will not continue. The, apparently the Obama uh, forest officers had destroyed equipment that was being used to deforest an area, and he considered that a crime. And so there was also this sense that his, the, the, the state, the government agency responsible for fighting against deforestation did not have the support, either from the minister who is, you know, has a similar kind of discourse, or from the president. And so certainly, just you know, adding summing all this up, certainly there was both a um, a lack of uh, uh, a lack of monitoring by the state. Certainly, that declined with all this this kind of institutional paralysis, self-imposed institutional paralysis, you can say. Um, but there was also a change in that kind of economic consensus that I had mentioned before, that. Kind of that the going the going way to do things would be to be you know not to de deforest. Now it seems like you know history is on the side of those who deforest, and it's their chance. Mm -hmm. So so can I ask, you know, this issue has become blown up in in recent days and weeks to become this like huge international issue. Uh, how has that affected politics in Brazil right now? Well, it has affected politics tremendously. It's quite extraordinary. That's the, the part that I'm finding very interesting because, you know, about 10 days ago, I talked to somebody from uh, the environmental movement who was very, very depressed about how everything was going. And there was a, and, and a number of people who I've talked to were just expressing great pessimism, a feeling that they're just, nobody cared and nothing was happening. And 
um, in general, this has been the feeling in lots of policy areas that are being attacked by the current government. Human rights under attack, uh, uh, social assistance policies, social security under attack, uh, women's issues under attack, education under attack. It's just so many areas. And the general feeling is that it's been very, very difficult to even to mobilize in Brazil against these various attacks because of the how radical and uh, it's kind of like a, a bombardment of of things that are being torn apart all at once. And so uh, there has been a spate of different mobilizations. There were um, there were, a week before last, there were demonstrations for um, against the cutbacks in environment. There were demonstrations of uh, women, rural women, and of rural indigenous women, and a series of other demonstrations, but it didn't really seem to be making much of a difference in um, policymaking. It was just, uh, you know, things were just keeping on continuing that way. And then last Friday, there had been this planned Friday um, uh, demonstration for the environment. So, you know, people went, it wasn't a huge set of, uh, of demonstrations, but there were demonstrations uh, all over, I think it's something like 60, well, actually, I, I can't remember, but 60, 60 places in Brazil, but also in the world. Because Fridays for the Future announced, which is, you know, an international global climate mm-hmm. organization led by Greta um, Thunberg, the, the, the Swedish woman who has been, girl woman who has been um, uh, yeah. promoting youth against climate change. And um, they announced that there would be a... Um, you know, kind of a, uh, there would be demonstrations at Brazilian embassies throughout the world. But it, here in Brazil, it kind of felt like other demonstrations that have been going on. There was a march, there was a protest. And then that night, for the first time since he's been in office, the president um, was, uh, came on to national TV. There's a, you know, a possibility in Brazil where the president can once in a while order all of the uh, television stations to, you know, put them on. And he came on national TV for the whole entire country on all channels um, wearing a suit, which was noticed by one of the somebody I took I spoke to because um, he's he's usually has a kind of informality in the way he does things. It's all on Twitter and wearing kind of unusual like his own informal clothes. And he put on a suit and he said, no, we're going to take the environment seriously um, he went back against all the, the discourse of the, the previous few weeks in which he had been denying hmm. that even that the data were, were, were um, true. Three or four days before he went on TV, he said that the fires had been set by NGOs and that they were not, you know, that, that it was all an NGO conspiracy to try to make his government look bad. And then, and then all of a sudden he came on and he said, no, we're going to take this issue seriously and he's going to organize the military to help fight deforestation. And he sort of took it on as a national emergency. So it was really the first time that there was any kind of reaction by the government to this increasing protests that have been happening in the country against his very radical policies. Well, what do you think accounted for that? Well, uh, that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, it's it's also, it was very, very strong. And certainly the fact that it became an international issue, um, unlike any other, basically, you know, Mark, if you think about it also, there's, there has been no international um, organized response to Bolsonaro of this kind, mm-hmm. you know, even though uh, there's a lot of other issues in which he so, has been um, doing different kinds of, you know, uh, well, I mean, that, that sort of, I mean, that suggests to me at least that um, 
the kind of international pressure, the international condemnation around you saw, like around the G7, that certainly you might see around the United Nations when Bolsonaro uh, will attend along with like some of the world's leading climate mm-hmm. change activists in, in, in a few weeks, that, that, that will sort of have the effect of emboldening those domestic forces within Brazil that are ultimately able to try to, you know, put a halt to these harmful policies. Yes, I think that, I mean, that's, you cannot ever say before something happens if it's going to happen, but there was a very, to me, it was extremely important, this connection between this day of demonstrations in Brazil and an about face by the president. It was the first time that I I would not uh, suggest that the movements caused that that about face. Much more likely, it was pressure from other nations and, um, as you said, uh, concern about the, a possible embarrassment at the United Nations in a few weeks. But um, uh, it certainly gives the national environmental movement a, uh, uh, an inspiration to keep on going. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that it's, it's definitely going to be an increase in organization. The, there's, a, there's a difference between protests and environmental movements. Environmental movements are small and keep on acting and are there all the time. And then suddenly people decide to go to this, decide to participate in a protest. Um, so maybe there'll be more protests of, uh, along these lines with more people that could increase the pressure on the government. But certainly, uh, the, the, the shift that came on Friday in the way that the government was portraying the whole crisis was quite extraordinary. And um, so I I would say that this is one of those cases in which international pressure certainly made a difference in Brazil. Well, well, I guess two questions then. First, I mean, is is the shift more than just rhetorical, right? So so he's no longer, um, you know, lambasting NGOs for starting these fires, uh, but will he actually take appropriate steps to, um, you know, put out the fires or alter these kinds of harmful policies. And, and I guess related to that, what sort of international pressure do you think might be most effective in sort of nudging him in that right direction? Well, that's a good question, too. I, um, uh, the, the first reaction was very much within uh, the government's modus operandi, which was to say that the military was going to be the main resource for combating um, deforestation, because this is a government that, in addition to this sort of nucleus of people with this kind of right-wing ideology, has also, as its major ally, uh, sectors from the military in in Brazil. So it speaks very closely with the military and works with the military. And, um, you know, there's there's a capacity for organization in the Amazon that only the military has in Brazil. Um, So there might be some significant results with that kind of, there's no other organization in Brazil that has the capacity to intervene in the Amazon like the military. It's, it's definitely uh, uh, the case. On the other hand, that certainly means a certain kind of policy that does not necessarily have the same kind of relationships to local populations. I mean, there's 30 million people who live in the Amazon, a lot of them in big cities, but a lot of rural communities and um, poor farmers and poor, uh, 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 traditional populations, uh, that, you know, fisher people and rubber tappers and other kinds of populations who have historically been, um, 
the victims of most major interventions in the Amazon of any kind. They don't, it's very, you know, it requires a great deal of care to work with uh, local people, including the, including small farmers that are often, um, you know, do, engaged in deforestation. It's not just uh, the big organ, the big farmers that are doing that or the big ranchers that are doing that. And so it's a little bit worrisome that a certain kind of policy that is really militarized might not be able to, uh, deal with those groups in a way that historically there has been always a difficulty with this, of course, but so there's historically been an agenda in Brazil of understanding the environmental problem as a social problem too, not mm-hmm. just as a matter of uh, 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 of the keeping the forest pure. There's very few parts of the Brazilian forest where people do not live and help protect the forest in their own um, activities, and that a lot of the policymaking in the past has attempted to capitalize on this this power of people who live in the forest regions who are also protecting the environment. Mm-hmm. And so, but that requires being able to work with civil society. And this current government has been very antagonistic to civil society, especially environmentalist organizations, NGOs, all of this stuff about how the NGOs are really, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a form of our form of bringing international uh, invasions of Brazilian sovereignty, which is one of the main discourses that you hear a lot about NGOs. They kind of are part of a, in, of a threat to, to Brazilian sovereignty. Can, um, can I, can that, I ask you just, just to, to, to maybe uh, conclude um, in the coming sort of weeks, what sort of uh, policies and, and actions by the government will you look towards to that would suggest to you that they're actually sort of taking this seriously that 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 the reaction is more than than rhetorical well i think it wouldn't be it would be just not uh first of all there would be actual uh 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 interventions in in the region and actually i think i do actually think that they're going to do that it, it seems to me at least that it seems that there's going to be at least some kind of military related activities but it can't just be uh, a military operation. There's a whole state structure that has always been not as strong as it should be, which includes institutions that have field personnel who have you know, experience working with deforestation, with local communities, and with um, environmental protection that, as I said before, has basically been suffering a process of paralysis and what looks like kind of an attempt to gut these institutions. And so what I would be looking for is signs that the government was going to back off from that kind of deinstitutionalization of environmental policy, which it's been doing up till now. Another area that is, um, that is running parallel is a law to flexibilize environmental permits, which would also probably have an effect on deforestation as well as other problems with environment. And the government has been behind a very radical reduction of regulations in general for the environment. So if there was some kind of backing off on those other, uh, other sets of efforts to deinstitutionalize Brazil's environmental protection system, I would be a little bit more convinced, mm-hmm. you know, within the institutions and not just a military action. Uh, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. This is very helpful. Thank you too. Thank you very much for inviting me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Professor Abers. That was very helpful. 
And I, for one, am interested in seeing the dynamic that unfolds in New York around UNGA as some of the world's leading climate activists are going to be sort of in the vicinity of Jair Bolsonaro. We'll see what kind of sparks fly. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.